Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, our natural instinct, everything in us Mm -hmm. tells us, you know, to focus on our kids, on our spouses, on our friends first. Mm -hmm. And not ourselves and we are of no use to anyone else if mm. we are not practicing self-care if we are not taking care of ourselves if we're not making sure we're in a good place you know if we're not getting enough sleep if we're not eating healthily if we're not you know doing those healthy habits creating new healthy yeah. habits as you were mm-hmm. saying Marcus um, and so I've, I've really had to uh, be intentional mm-hmm. and, and that's what it kind of boils down to intentionality mm-hmm. There are many things, I think, that we do that are self-care in nature, mm-hmm. that are meaningful to us, that are unconscious behaviors. So, for example, you know, look at your morning routine and, and what you do. And, you know, people get up and they set the coffee maker for, uh, for the morning. And for those people that, that don't understand addiction, think about your sugar intake and your caffeine intake, and then tell me that you don't understand what addiction is. Because um, if I don't have coffee, I am no no good at all. I am I, I definitely have a caffeine addiction. So, um, you think? Oh, okay. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but think about people in their morning routines, and you set your coffee, and then you know yeah. you take your dog for mm-hmm. a walk because mm-hmm. the dog has to go to the bathroom, whatever it is. Not really thinking about the fact that hey, this is me time. This is time that I enjoy. This is self care time and i think if we're more intentional if we recognize the things that are self-care for our, ourselves so we recognize the things that make us happy the things that relax us the things that help us unwind and then we're intentional about it mm-hmm. that same action that on one hand was unconscious behavior becomes a totally different thing when we're intentional about it and we recognize hey this is me taking care of me and that time is so important you know folks are are working from home more often than they ever have Commute time for me in the morning was me time. Crank the the music, Mm -hmm. you know, roll down the windows, open the sunroof, get myself into a place where I'm ready for the day. You know, coming home, kind of the same thing. Let everything go, unwind. Now, more often than not, my commute is down two flights of stairs. And, you know, if I don't have meetings where I have to get dressed up, Mm -hmm. I can throw a baseball hat and a T-shirt on. I can have pillow creases in my face. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. five minutes later brush my teeth, you know, grab coffee, throw some clothes on, I'm at work. That's, you know, it's not the same. 
And mm-hmm. we need to be intentional about making sure we're doing that self-care. So mm-hmm. that's kind of that, my last couple of years has been uh, uh, kind of revisiting those things that I need to fill my cup and make sure that I'm supporting myself, taking care of myself. So you're the principal and CEO of Mindwell Solutions. So what is it that you do there? So Mindwell is a population-based behavioral health strategy company. I do um, lots of program development, Mm -hmm. strategic planning, evaluation, training, a lot of the the system stuff that's less, you know, changing one life at a time, you know, not therapy, Mm -hmm. not individual, uh, you know, dealing and working with individuals, but more of the overall broad systems change, working with organizations Mm -hmm. and companies and communities and municipalities to help them change programs, to develop new programs, to evaluate the efficacy of, of, of the programs that they're, mm. that they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of policy work. Yeah. Uh, wow. Highbrow stuff. <laughs> no, no, no. But you know what? Every every area needs different things. Right. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I really have an appreciation for what, what both of you do. Change but occurs on, on multiple levels. It does. I mean, it has systems to. systems level yeah. and individual levels. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely has to. Um, you, you both mentioned, uh, you know, COVID and how it's changed things and slowed things down. Uh, you talked, David, about more people uh, working from home, and you stressed and emphasized self-care. Marcus, you emphasized, I need a break for myself. That's self-care. I want to Figure. I, I want to talk about how in the world, because this is a pet peeve I have, how in the world can we set boundaries where none exist anymore? Because it used to be there would be a, a physical boundary when you left the office 9 to 5 or 8 to 3 or 2 to midnight or whatever. This is where you start. This is where you end. Your work, it, it's like it's a constant, like there, there's a constant, um, I don't even know what the word is, but it, it's just an unending energy around all of us now that, you you, you know, you have to physically cut. Like I, I have... Uh, I've learned with the a strategy somebody called bunching because I would get overwhelmed trying to answer this, that, the, and some of that stuff would go into uh, 11:30, 12 at night. You know, people when something occurs to folks because of our electronic computers, their handheld computers that we carry around, and you can do so much with it other than talk on the phone and send a text. Hey, how about this and how about that? Or can we do this and what for, for tomorrow's meeting? So and so and such and such and that. That kind of stuff. And then if you don't do it or if you miss it and you come in or you you start the meeting, it's like, well, I sent you a text text last night at 10:45 you didn't get you know or i sent you an email how in the world do we start setting those boundaries because i think that those things are key to the to the to the path to self care as well because the boundaries are gone covid no, covid helped slur all of, you know blur those lines and things of that nature and so i i just find myself longing for how do i get back a regular day just you know, just a regular eight hour, nine hour. I don't care. Twelve hours. I'll do twelve hours, four days. I don't care. How do we get it back? Or is there no way to get it back? And maybe we manage within the blurred lines of the boundaries. I think we can absolutely. I get it back. I think it's we um, can get it back. It's okay. an intentional choice that you have to make. I know folks that work from home who have set mm-hmm. those hard boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to work up until six o'clock. Yeah, I do. But I, I don't care what it is. You know, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a text. I don't care if it's an email. 
I'll I'm get not, to it yeah. tomorrow. I'm yeah. not doing mm-hmm. it. You know, you have a home office, and it's like, oh, I forgot to do this thing mm-hmm. at work. Well, instead of driving downtown to an office, you just walk down a flight of stairs or down the hall, and it's right. so easy. You have to be intentional, and I think it's a choice that that we make. The world, mm-hmm. we are n- none of us are indispensable. No. You know, if mm-hmm. if a bus hit any one of the three of us tomorrow. There were folks that would be sad mm-hmm. and there would be, you know, there would be a learning curve and things mm-hmm. that would need to, to be caught up on. But life would go on. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with work. I mean, there is nothing that has to be done at 1030 or 2 a.m. in the mm-hmm. morning. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely nothing. And I think it is an intentional choice that that we make. We, all, we have to learn. We have to train ourselves. Train ourselves. Yep, exactly. To, to do that because I, you know, my daughter just started, uh, she got a, a kindergarten class. She started as a teacher. And I, you know, sometimes I'll see her walking around. I'm like, what are you doing? There's nothing. And she's stressing and she's she's doing this and doing that. And it's like 8.30, 9 o'clock, 10.30. I said, stop. You have to stop now and then get to that later. Well, if I don't get it now, I want to get ahead. You're never going to get ahead. Because something else is going to come up. But anyway, but what I'm saying is, you know, when you see that behavior right in front of your eyes, not to mention that that I, I had to stop when I was working from home uh, because I was merging household chores with uh, with whatever. So I might put, put down the book and, and say, okay, let me go throw a load of clothes in the washer. Or, you know, um, say, oh, I've got a break here. Maybe I'll run across the street and get some milk and then I'll come back. You You can't do that. To me, I can't do that. I have to focus solely on the task at hand. If this is work, then I'm going to do this from so-and-so and such-and-such. And such. I'll get the milk, do the laundry, and everything else later just because I'm at home. So, right. but uh, it, And how many meetings can, you know, it used to be mm-hmm. you'd go to a meeting, you'd get in the car, you'd drive to the meeting. Maybe it took you 20 minutes mm-hmm. to get there. You'd mm-hmm. have the meeting. Then you go on to the next meeting, and you get in the car, and you mm-hmm. drive. Mm-hmm. You know, this one is a little bit further, half hours. And now mm-hmm. it's like you have 30 seconds. We schedule things back to back to back to yeah, back. Yeah, we do. And it's ridiculous. It is. It is. I feel like we've, you know, we, we sort of... Uh, to our, our detriment, I guess, mm-hmm. but also to our credit, we set the bar so high. Yeah. During and, the COVID years, yeah. you know, we were all so productive and we mm-hmm. got so much done. And now that's the expectation. It's an unreasonable expectation mm-hmm. yeah. for people to operate at that pace at that on level. an ongoing mm-hmm. basis. Yeah. 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 And Marcus, you, you unrealistic expectations of COVID coming. You mentioned COVID a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I think that. Most people just want to do good. So if you do reach out to me and say, oh, you was thinking this or that, I might feel bad if I don't respond when you send it to me or if I There's take There's that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you want to do a good job at work. So like I said, your daughter, you, you're thinking so much about how I can do well that mm-hmm. you make those sacrifices with time. Like I said, you up at 8, 9 o'clock, 9.30 because – People just want to succeed. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The, a lot of times that fear of failure in any aspect of it, um, it'll drive you to do some stuff mm-hmm. that you probably don't want to do, but you just feel like you mm-hmm. have to do. Like I said, you're never going to get ahead, but you don't think that way. No. None of us think that way. You know, mm-hmm. we want to do our best, so it's hard to leave the work at work. Yeah, um, so we just got to get back to figuring out how to do that without disrespecting anybody mm-hmm. or their time um, and still showing appreciation for our, our field of work and the service that we provide to whoever. Um, so I think that's where we at with it because I'm not saying the pandemic is over um, because COVID is still alive, but 
Life and, is and slow. the numbers are yeah. pretty pretty high right now. But we're starting to live as if all this stuff has went away, you know. So I think that's the struggle we having right now. Well, certainly the restrictions are we're nowhere near being locked down with the restrictions that we once had as a result of COVID. And 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 let's look at the pot. COVID has you know it's kind of like a double edged sword because in in some ways yeah you know we we didn't. Um, uh, emerge from it as well as we could but in other ways look at how we figured out how we could do things that we thought we couldn't do and covid forced yep. us to learn so getting it all sorted out i don't know uh paula go ahead uh you had a a, a comment for our panel regarding self-care yeah hi tina hi how are you oh, um i really like the conversation that's going on uh i like what he said about self-care mm-hmm. and covid I think it depends on where you are and how COVID really mm. is positive or negative because mm. I'm retired, 70. So COVID helped me because the church told me put everybody first. And that's what I did. I put everybody first except Paula. But now, the last five years, I'm spoiling Paula. So I think that I'm helping myself mentally care for myself by spoiling me first right now. Mm-hmm. It has to be a balance. Don't get me wrong. There has to be a balance. But depends on where you are. People that are still working, it's a different balance for them. Mm-hmm. And the boundaries are so important, whether you're working or retired or on your way to retirement or even kids coming up in the school system being a retired teacher. have to be some boundaries set. And so self-care, even for the young people, uh, you know, that self-care is so important, Marcus, and I don't know the other gentleman's name. But uh, David. What's nice David? names. I like those names, Marcus <laughs> and David. Aren't they cool names? Yeah. They're good names. Yeah. 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 <laughs> keep what you're doing. Keep what you're saying, because mm-hmm. I think the reality is we have to wake up and realize we have to take care of ourselves. If we don't take care of ourselves, who can we take care of? And so... There has to be a balance. There have to be boundaries. Mm-hmm. Great yeah. talk. Thank you so much for this oh. mental health conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you, Paula. We really appreciate that. And and, and speaking of the mental health conversation, uh, Marcus, David, I don't know if, if you've been paying attention or noticing, but, you know, since we started doing this and paying a lot more attention to the conversation, it seems like the messaging nationwide, locally, regionally, the messaging about it's okay to not be okay. It's okay if you feel a certain way. I mean, uh, Ad Council Public Service Announcements, one of the ones that's kind of, uh, that that really kind of resonates with me for whatever reason. I mean, it it made me pay attention was the guy with the barbells and the the, the guy says, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hey, what's up? He said, you don't know my family, man. You don't know what it's it's like. And I'm like, boy, that sounds like (laughs) some stuff. But 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 it's, you know, and it goes on with the message. Um, More and more of the messaging is getting out there. You have celebrities um, that are are picking up the baton and, and running with it. You have organizations you have churches, which is, I mean, we can even say this, and y'all can call me if you want to, but when we first started, um, there weren't as many churches embracing right. 
the idea because we talk about the stigma that's associated that if you in in certain faith circles um you're you're not mentally ill you're just not prayed up enough and you're not a strong enough believer well that seems to be fizzling and there seems to be more and more members of the faith-based community embracing mental health and mental wellness you and things of that nature you can't just pray it away you, it cannot be prayed away uh because it's it's uh you know the recognition that it's a disease uh and it needs to be treated like any other disease so my question to you both, both of you is, have you been noticing, the, I guess I would call it the intensity of the messaging, and what do you think about that, um, how that messaging is being received? Do you think it's being helpful? Do you think it's like folks are getting inundated with it? I don't know. I, but anyway, I ask you, so I'm not going to answer the question, but anyway, what, do you, what do you think, what do you both think of, of, of all this messaging and how it's being received? Um, I think it's been received well. I noticed it just from the sports aspect of oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, over the last few years, you've seen all these high-profile athletes saying, man, mm -hmm. I struggle with this or I struggle with that. Um, from Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, all these other people, mm -hmm. um, football players mm -hmm. also, you know, um, even – Tennis, you know, age demographic is it's not mattering um, who's stepping up and saying they need a break or they dealing with this uh, mentally, and I think that's starting to help transition on the ground level for us because um, the it's younger, not just you're, you're, me. You yeah. focus on the younger people especially, and it's not just me in your ear saying it's like man, you could turn on TV like mm -hmm. if you you play basketball, you can see. DeMar DeRozan scored 20,000 points. He he, uh, he says he's struggling, you know, so you can – they have those examples also. Like, I wish I would have had somebody that I could see regularly mm -hmm. tell me, oh, this is how you need to take care of yourself as I was getting older. Mm -hmm. But it just wasn't a thing. I think now with their help, because they are helping us, mm -hmm. um, it's making it easier to have the conversations because – they don't know David. So if I say, oh, well, David Berman told me this, they're going to say, who is that? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? So uh, when I say Kevin Love or I say um, whoever else that plays sports that, you know, or uh, uh, any type of entertainer, then maybe that'll help us That's bridge really, the gap a yeah. little bit more um, and help the stuff start to resonate with them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it seems like it's a very safe space for so many of these people, these entertainers, even the ad council uh, and 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 those ads. Don't don't you think, David? Oh, or, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's um, it's it, it is um, heartening to watch individuals who have a platform and celebrity status use it use their powers for good versus versus using their powers for evil. Um the uh, you know back to your original your original question um, we were saying earlier you know how the mm -hmm. there's some good stuff that's mm -hmm. come out of the pandemic new norms you mm -hmm. know oh you mean we can function as a society and work from home and you don't mm -hmm. have to be in the mm -hmm. office or mm -hmm. you know expanding uh, the um, the way telemedicine offered yeah. has been mm -hmm. offered and you know which has improved access to care you know this has also been an opportunity to shine a light on not a new issue mm -hmm. but something that's been going on for a long yeah. time mm -hmm. and when you shine a light on something you know the money starts pouring in and the endorsements start mm -hmm. coming uh you know oh, people yeah. are are um, are outspoken about it and individuals again mm -hmm. that have platforms whether they're you know political figures or sports figures or you know mm -hmm. celebrities that are movie stars or tv stars or singers and more and more are coming out of the woodworks and kind of as marcus was saying you know i was saying the same nobody cares 
what David Berman has to say about this issue. I mean, I, maybe a couple do. of people. Yeah, you know, of I can count on do. one we hand. We care. That's why we have you here. You and but, Mark. But if it. Kevin Love or right, yeah, um, good point. He's the messenger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when when the messenger is somebody that someone respects mm-hmm. and treats um, as you know what they say is gospel, mm-hmm. and they're using that platform, you know, it's it's just a win win for everybody. Absolutely, a win win. Speaking of win win, uh, something I should have done. I was so excited to see both of you here that I forgot that we have tickets to give away. Um, as we've been sharing with you all this week, we have some more Circle City Classic tickets uh, to give away today. And it's real simple. Um, all you have to do is text the word classic to the number 37890. Again, text the word classic to 37890. If you win, you'll receive a pair of tickets to the Circle City Classic football game featuring Mississippi Valley State University and North Carolina Central University Saturday, September 23rd at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, tickets are on sale now at Lucas Oil Box Office and Ticketmaster.com. Again, text the word classic to the number 37890 for your chance to win two tickets to this year's Circle City Classic. We are going to continue um, with this conversation. We have to take a quick commercial break. Um, Our special Stop the Music uh, conversation on suicide prevention, mental health, mental wellness continues right after this. Indy is stopping the music for World Suicide Prevention Day. Our communities don't talk about this enough, and it's overdue. Teen suicide is at an all-time high in black and brown communities, and Praise Indy is taking action now. Suicide Prevention Month is supported by Sandra Eskenazi Mental Health Center. Visit EskenaziHealth.edu. We are back with Community Connection, our special edition of Community Connection. We call it Stop the Music, uh, where we stop and uh, regular programming and discuss uh, mental health, mental wellness, suicide prevention uh, in observance of uh, National Suicide Prevention Month and World Suicide uh, Prevention Day uh, coming up um, on Sunday. Um, as as you probably heard us say earlier, um, all, all of our stations, most of our stations in this building uh, have been participating in this in one way or another uh, throughout the course of the day. Uh, today is, is com- this time it's Community Connection at 1 o'clock. Um, our guests are longtime friends. They've been with our initiative since we first started. Marcus Watts, Alone is Alive. Uh, David Berman, uh, Mindwell Solutions. Uh, David and Marcus, um, another... Uh, suicide prevention expert uh, who has been invaluable with us and has been with us from the start, from day one, and sta- sticks with us closer than a, closer than a sister, closer than a brother, um, is uh, Alice Jordan-Miles. Alice, um, we are so happy that you are joining us and joining the panel. Uh, welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Tina. Thank you very much, and I'm honored to be asked to return. I'm 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 excited. Well, the honor is ours. The we honor miss is you ours. in studio, Alice. Yeah, we do. We do. Oh, we... thank you, David. Thank you. Yeah, we had we had pizza and donuts. wasn't real healthy today. <laughs> we we usually we try to eat a little better, but today we we you know COVID. That's what it was. It was COVID. <laughs> it was COVID. So, uh, you know, but Alice, uh, again, thank you for joining us uh, and joining the panel with with Marcus and and David here, um, and and you know we we've covered quite a quite a bit uh we got a quite a bit more uh to go over but um where do you where do you think we are um you know initially well, yeah i'm sorry go ahead 
Well, first of all, um, this is very timely, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, not too long, back in 2019, mm-hmm. the... Um, uh, black congr- 2019 the Congressional Black Caucus mm-hmm. put out a report on the American on the status of suicide and mental health among Black youth, and the statistics were very alarming. As a matter of fact, it was mm-hmm. so alarming they titled their their research "Ringing the Alarm: The Crisis of mm-hmm. Black Suicide in America." I think um, I might- a good friend of mine, Janelle Cubbage from the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, just released a, 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 a uh, research that supplements that call, that alarm call. Mm-hmm. It's called Still Ringing the Alarm, the Enduring Call to Action for Black Youth Suicide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you, we're not getting any better. Yeah. Actually, it's, 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 it's getting worse. And I don't know if it's mm. because... Brown and black communities are thinking about suicide more. I think it's more because we're bringing more awareness, but our research does not encompass black and brown communities to accurately assess resources that are applicable to that particular population. Wow. Uh, And and, and I mean, the risk factors and protective factors are totally different for these two populations. Yeah. And we really need to sit back and look at what are some of the societal, the community, mm-hmm. and relation risk factors that are attributing to mm-hmm. these high, very high numbers. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 between 2007 and 2020, Tina, rates of youth suicide ages 10 to 17. You ready for this? have increased by 144%. Wow. And you know what, Alice? Uh, that, that's interesting because this is the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. And I, I thought that that's the, the article that I had pulled that you were quoting from. But uh, similar statistics, but not as alarming as yours. It said their, their statement is that since 2017, suicide has been the second leading cause of death among those 10 to 19 years old. Uh, rates of suicide among black youth have risen faster than any other racial ethnic group in the past two decades. With That's suicide, yeah, with suicide rates in black males 10 to 19 years old increasing by 60 percent. But you're saying that that rate has increased by more than 100 percent? Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just saw... You have, to, you have to take into consideration the research uh, terminology and the research... Ah, okay. ...of, of, of who, because... Because, I, yeah. ...isn't enough research that has been done that is applicable to those two particular populations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. More money needs to be set aside... For intentional, more, you're more focused intentional on the, just those right, two groups. More intentional in those two populations. And, uh, and, 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 and the thing is, is that yeah. we're, we need to have that intentionality because we need to understand. Instead of being looking at things up, downstream, we need to be more upstream with our intentions and our prevention efforts. Mm. Because we all know that suicide does not discriminate, but our prevention efforts do. So, therefore, we need to sit back and reevaluate how we're coming up with things and methods of preventing suicide. Um, you know, you got to take into consideration the, 
the many risk factors impacting brown and black communities. You know, you look at the social ecological model that looks at the individual, the relationship, the community, and the society, mm-hmm. because those all four domains have a very intentional impact on why brown and black young men are dying by suicide. Because mm-hmm. you have to take in consideration institutional racism, generational trauma, mass incarceration, the school-to-prison pipeline, mm-hmm. and the stigma, which most importantly is the most pervasive factor in brown and black communities. So, you know, it's not one, it's not one uh, stop. It's not a one-stop shop. We need to sit back and look at our research, look at the historical and generational trauma that is impacting these particular populations, and we need to be very intentional in awarding research mm. to individuals who are researching these populations. I can't stress that enough. So so what about the availability of the research funds, research funding, and, and where the, that funding is being spent? Well, you know, I'll tell you, the research that ha- I have come, well, that I've discovered in regards to money that is set aside mm-hmm. for those particular individual populations. I, I, I think I saw in 2019, mm-hmm. you know what, let me, I, I have my notes here. No, 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 I'm just saying, and you I know, if want, we can get. I don't want to say mm-hmm. it off the top of my head, but I have some really startling yeah. If if we could get our, our elected officials or, or, you know, find a place to, to camp out, uh, you know, find an area to camp out in to, to get more of that funding either generated or or more intentionally directed, uh, that would be that would be fantastic. Well, because the lack of data, the accurate data. Accurate data. OK, I got due, you. due to current data collection practices, uh-huh. the ability to examine these two groups, brown and black communities, is very limited. Mm. Actually, the current national data sources do not allow the option for someone to search by race and ethnicity. Oh, my goodness. Furthermore, some data resource sources do, do not include biracial or bi-race, multiracial categories. I mean, our research needs to be a, needs to be an accurate reflection of the people we're trying to research. I mean... It's not rocket science. Mm. I mean, we, you know, we need to sit back and reevaluate our research practices so that it's truly an accurate reflection of these two populations. Mm. Hey, I wanted to uh, add in, I know Alice and I think um, Tina, you had mentioned the uh, increasing suicide rate of teen black males, but I saw preliminary numbers from 2020 or 2022 from the CDC that they're mm-hmm. saying that the uh, the rate of suicide, suicidal ideation, suicide attempt in teen black girls has just increased to an unprecedented level. I mean, the fastest growing population period over those uh, over the last couple of years. So we've got a new demographic now, unfortunately, that we really need to focus on. And how much of that, how is social media woven into that demo? Because that, that's the demographic that... 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Most uses and relies most heavily on social media for their news, weather, sports, information, things, socialization. I mean, my goodness, it's social media. Uh, Marcus is nodding his head. Uh, <laughs> And you also have to think of the pop- the LGBTQ population within those two yes. and brown and black communities. Yes. You know, go- their plans, you know, uh, uh, the Trevor Project has did the, uh, released uh-huh. their data. Yeah. And they found that brown and black communities, brown and black individuals are 51% feeling mm-hmm. sad or hopeless or have 35% seriously considered attempting suicide. And that plan, and, and those numbers have doubled since the year mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Yeah. Marcus, I mean, it's yeah. so darn profound that we can no longer ignore what these numbers are telling us. No, we can't. We can't. Uh, but anyway, Marcus, you were weighing in um, on. Yeah, I feel like as far as the social media aspect, and I said this earlier. Um, mm-hmm. It's just set up for us to see the happiness and the perfection. And so they're so young being exposed to it, they're growing up with it. They don't understand how far-fetched that is. You know, um, happiness is fleeting and the perfection being impossible. So they're being conditioned to think that way, to only show Mm -hmm. um, when I'm in a good mood or even if I put on a, a, a mask just to show you that I'm trying to keep up the image, my social media, I'm always happy, I'm always doing this, I'm always doing that, and I live a good life when really I'm struggling, but I would never give that to the world because that's too much vulnerability to show a stranger or even my peers sometimes. So I think at 15 or 16 as a young woman with everything that else you got as far as societal pressure um, turning into an adult, it can become overwhelming. So I understand why it's becoming an issue um not saying it's solely social media but just the pressure um if if something happens to you all these children the whole world can see that yeah if it goes to the right the right corners of the world on social media so that's a lot to deal with and try to manage at 13 or 14 yeah. years old because you might just made a bad decision or ended up in the uh, unfortunate situation and and alice if, if i'm understanding you correctly we may not even have a full grasp on the accuracy uh the numbers the numbers could be far worse or far more than than what we're oh, yeah, reading absolutely. and what we're seeing absolutely you know and and uh tina when i was preparing for this interview I looked up the term suicide, and it returned 4,517 results Mm. from 2019 to present. However, only 951 resulted was being specific to youth suicide. But of those 951, only 42 publications have been released about black youth suicide. And even though we're, you know, we're trying to get a handle on How many of those publications were black, I wonder? 
Right, but see, mm-hmm. no, I'm saying 98. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And see, we need to address the research and implementation and implementation mm-hmm. of these re- of these research projects because we need to understand what what is required of prevention and intervention in those particular communities. You know, there needs to be a call of action mm-hmm. that really addresses the funding inequities mm-hmm. that address the gap in literature that is that is on the that is based on the truth of increasing rates of suicide among black youth. We need to put more money towards researchers that are researching mm-hmm. these populations. Yeah, and we don't need to let the situation get to a point where well, obviously, I mean if it's over 100%, I would I would call that a crisis level. Um, you know, crisis level before any intervention or any action is taken. But, you know, the, to think that it could get uh, get worse over time without anything, you know, being done uh, is is just un, is unthinkable. Uh, it's absolutely unthinkable because this this has to has to stop. Um, William, go ahead. How are you? Uh, how are you doing, Miss Tina? I'm doing fine, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty good today. Uh I was sitting up there listening to your program. You've got a great one going on today. But I was just wondering uh, how many of the the parents have hugged and kissed their kids this morning before they left going out on their activities, whatever the activities mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And how many of them showed their, kids, their children that they really have an uh, interest in the things that they be doing when they come home in the evening, that's the young man, a young lady. How did your day go? Mm-hmm. Anything just seem like it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Get in an active conversation with them to see if they can come to some type of some type of uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some t- some type of given, you know, and and there's some periods in it. Both of you all are parents. We all are. There's some uh, phases in in the lives of our children that are easier to do that than others. We know that, and we have to work through that. <laughs> we have to work through those. But William, yeah, that that's a good reminder of the simplest of things that that can really you know make a difference for for those that we may not be thinking about. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we think that a whole pocket full of money and a and a Lamborghini, you know, that don't really satisfy no children. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the children go for a simple thing. You can buy a child mm-hmm. a most expensive gift and put it in a big box and give it to mm-hmm. them. They'll take that most expensive gift that you have given mm-hmm. them. Lay it flat and start playing with the box. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what, William? Thank you for your call. But that is so funny that you said that because uh, it's one of the. You, there were five of us as as in my family, uh, and growing up, and that was one of the stories my parents loved to tell. That the one year that they said all five kids got everything they asked for on their list, and you all took the toys out of the box and, and tied the boxes together and made a train. <laughs> you took some rope and tied all the boxes that these big toys came in and made a train, and we sat there and looked. We said, "Oh my." My goodness. I don't remember that, but they said, but it, it, it gets to the point that William was making that, yeah, we, you know, things are nice, but what you remember, you know, what, what matters most are the lasting memories and how you feel and what, you, you know, the good feelings and things. And, and we can get, you know, we can get sidetracked uh, with that periodically. You know, it, it's not too hard to get sidetracked from that. That's amazing that he mentioned that box because that's what we, exactly what we were. Yeah, I know we were talking earlier about, mm-hmm. um, 
how to have some of these conversations with mm-hmm. family and, and friends and how, you know, to establish that culture of trust mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in relationships. And and you have to do that early. I mean, and I, I you know, I yeah. agree. There was a, a little, I don't know, one of the... Um, rubber bracelets in one of the other <laughs> studios on, on the microphone uh-huh. that said, show more love. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, there you go. That's yeah. really, that's the answer. If we, I don't care whether it's our kids or our spouses right. or our family mm. or friends or mm. whatever. If we establish that basis of trust that, mm-hmm. hey, you can come to me with anything. You can mm-hmm. talk to me about anything. I love you. I care. I'm mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. That lasts a lifetime, um, yeah. and you have a better chance when things, as you were saying, Tina, get a little more challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they will. To, they will. You know, yeah. have relationships with our, our children yeah. or family or friends mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Those moments when, you know, they're strong, you know, strong-minded mm-hmm. and stubborn adults. Mm-hmm. That you've established that that culture of trust and that that relationship. That hopefully they'll they'll come to you at that point. Yeah, indeed. You know, you know, Tina. Also, we we really do need to discuss because the impact of COVID is now showing its showing up. Oh yeah, it has been and educationally really, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it really has because the COVID pandemic disappropriately impacted Black Americans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than any other minor minoritized communities. And you know, during the year of 2020. In the middle of COVID, there was 395 black youth by the between the ages of five and 19 that died by suicide. Think about that for just a moment. That was in just one given year, and it, and, and during that time, there was also a 79 percent increase in emergency department visits of mm-hmm. brown and black youth, mm-hmm. and you know. I teach also. I'm a professor at Purdue University, Fort Wayne, and I'm mm-hmm. telling you, the impact that it's having on our young people. I mean, you know, I often said that, you know, how many times did we hear, oh, we're all in this together. We're all in this mm-hmm. together. A lot during COVID. A lot during the lockdowns of, and stuff. Yeah. One of the things I came to realize is that, no, we weren't. There were some of us who were in yachts. There were some of us who were in motorized boats. And then there were some of us who were in canoes with no oars, and they continue to be in those canoe with no oars. Yeah, it's long. You know, it's long been said that COVID didn't create the disparities; it just exposed them. Right, uh, exasperated yep. them actually. Yeah, exasperated. Yeah, and and exasperated, of course. But yeah, certainly didn't create it. Didn't create the problems that already existed. It certainly did right, not. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I think COVID also gave people mm-hmm. the permission. You know, David just talked about, you know, uh, you know, uh, the relationship pe- with, that people have with, pe- with other individuals. You know, I think, in my humble opinion, I'm doing this work for a very long time, I don't care what nationality or what gender you are, suicide prevention and intervention is all about connection. Never mm. underestimate the power of connection. Yeah. Because doesn't everybody wants to be seen. Everyone wants to be heard. And sometimes everyone, some people want other people to see their pain. Yeah. And, you know, instead of running from it, we all have mental health. We need to embrace it and make it our friend. Yeah. And not allow that, you know, that negative naysaying of, you know, uh, of, uh, 
of the other side of your mm-hmm. mental health saying that you're not worthy, you know, nobody likes you, you yeah. don't belong. Think positively. Embrace your mental health because we all have it. Yeah. Pastor Joy Thornton, uh, uh, it, it, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, I'm sorry, Alice. And, and we need to nurture yeah. it. And just like we, you know, we add water to flowers for it to grow. Yeah, that's you know, true. We need to nurture our mental health, whether it's going to a therapist. And that gets back to the self-care that, you know, before Absolutely. you came on that uh, that Marcus and David were talking about. Uh, Alice, uh, Marcus, David, we have a pastor here, a uh, pastor of a, a black church that wants to weigh in. Go ahead, Pastor Thornton. How are you? Hey, thank, uh, thanks so much, Tina, and mm-hmm. your guests. Uh, wanted to bring back what you um, um, wanted to share about a mental health first aid that's going to take place at Greater St. Mark on Tuesday of this coming week. Which, Are you talking about QPR training? Uh, yeah, it's, it's Eskenazi. Eskenazi has this. Uh, oh, you say mental health first aid. I mean, that's how QPR is described. But I, I you know, it may be something. Else. But anyway, please go ahead. That's a different. It's a. It's it, different. It is, yeah, it oh, is okay. a tra- it's a training. It's a whole separate training. Whole separate training. Yeah. Okay, go and ahead. A longer and more intensive training. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It is going to take place on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh-huh. uh, uh, starting here at Greater St. Mark. At it's going to start at five until nine, mm-hmm. Tuesday yeah. and Wednesday. And at the end of it, a persons will be certified in terms of identifying and assessing the risk mm-hmm. of suicide. Uh, in terms of listening uh, non-judgmentally and giving reassurance and information, encouraging appropriate professional health, encouraging self-help and other supportive strategies. So that's going to be free of charge. All people need to do is call. They can call the church uh, at uh, 317-545-5673 and sign up. Uh, it's it's so appropriate, I think, uh, with what you're talking about today. And, and might I say, after pastoring 40 years and, and talking to some of my other colleagues, I think since there have been such a, a exodus from the church, a lot of people need to understand that when people were coming to church and being a part of church, it helped to mitigate some of that mental compromise that we're talking about today. And so uh, just in my little mere research, spirituality has a lot to do with dealing and addressing uh, some of these uh, things that we're talking about with mental health. When African Americans were more engaged and involved in a healthy relationship with a God consciousness, they found themselves singing those old songs, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Uh, Jesus is on the main line, tell him what you want. Those, Those just being able to come to the altar and, and and let go of that. And lastly, uh, Tina, helping people to understand when we tell people to take a deep breath, a lot of people don't understand the physiology or the mental, uh, spiritual part of that deep breathing God gives us, that when you breathe in and breathe out, you, you are really, uh, you, you're really releasing some of the anxieties. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, just wanted to share that, but most importantly, a remedy to a lot of the problems we're talking about. This first aid can be a part of the solution that we're talking about the problem. Once again, they can call the church right now. We only have 30 spaces, 
but you'll be certified. You can call the church right now, 317-545-5673. Be a part of the solution that we can all as a community help alleviate some of this pain and suffering that yeah. our people are going through. All right. Thank you, Pastor Thornton. I appreciate that. And um, uh, thanks for offering that out to the community, offering that opportunity uh, to the community. Again, so many aspects uh, to what goes toward mental wellness uh, and good mental health. Spirituality, I don't think anyone has ever denied that spirituality is important. Um to some, to to some, others who may not necessarily understand it, uh, it it could be you know your problematic. But the fact that the opportunity for people around everybody uh, exists to become more aware and more alert about the signs and the symptoms, uh, I think is 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 very good. Now you say this is longer and more involved. Yeah, actually, yeah. I'm I'm facilitating a mental health first aid training next week as well. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, it's mental health first aid, QPR, mm-hmm. question, persuade, refer. Mm-hmm. You know, focuses solely on suicide, mm-hmm. warning signs, recognizing those warning signs, knowing the resources, how you mm-hmm. have the conversation. Mental health first aid is sort of a. Um, behavioral health 101 class ah. um, and looks at all things mental mm. health, substance use, and suicide mm, prevention yeah. uh, in a, a, a four, or, I'm sorry, an eight hour. Mm. And obviously, you know, this the church is breaking up into two, four hour. I love the fact that they're doing it in the evening mm. so people can, can yeah. come, you know, yeah. in the evening. But yeah. it's a, uh, yeah, it's an eight hour class. And it's really, again, kind of a an overview 101 of looking yeah. at all things behavioral health. The fact that it's at a church in a black church is progress. It's awesome. Yep. It's progress. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Marcus is smiling. <laughs> so yeah, it is progress like you would not believe. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, be back with more of our panel, more of our special Stop the Music discussion right after this. back with Community Connection. This is our special Community Connection on this day. Uh, We call it Stop the Music uh, because we're stopping regular programming to have uh, an important discussion that we've had for the last few years uh, regarding suicide prevention, especially among, um, you know, uh, African-American, you know, communities of color, which over the years are getting more and more hard hit if the figures um, are what they appear to be. And we have no reason to doubt that. In fact, the only reason we would doubt those figures is that the figures are not representative enough uh, rather than the fact that the figures are showing I, I would say that the, the figures are on the low end. On what the we, low end, what yeah. What we know is on yeah. the way low end. Yeah, so. and so being a, a community uh, of, of African American listeners, primarily African American listeners, our demographics, we want to, you know, make sure that our listeners are informed and enlightened about uh, not only mental health, mental illness, suicide prevention, but ways that um, that they can help. With, with themselves and that they can help others around them. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. Um, our guest, of course, Marcus Watts, Alone is a Lie, David Berman, Mindwell uh, Solutions, and Alice Jordan-Miles. Alice, you got 15 titles. Um, which one do you want me to <laughs> which one? Uh, Suicide prevention expert, no doubt. Uh, Purdue University, Fort Wayne, uh, professor. Uh, what you name? Human being extraordinary. Human being extraordinary, Alice. And um, I am expecting 
especially pleased and honored that uh, my panel here has been with us from day one. And, you know, you, there, there's something about, you know, getting back in the saddle with those who, you know, who brought you here. And so we're so very appreciative of Marcus, David, and, and Alice. I can't tell you all how much we appreciate your knowledge and expertise. Um, Talk, regarding suicide and, and, and people that go into crisis, because I can't think of anything more frightening than seeing a loved one and you think, or, or a friend or anybody that you feel is about to take their own life, perhaps. And what can you do or what are you going to do? But can you imagine um, what happens when law enforcement is involved? Well, that happened not too recently, uh, and then before that, not too terribly recently. And, and in both cases, uh, the person having the mental health crisis ended up dead at the hands of the police. What are you all, What what? where can we go from there, and how can we improve upon that scenario and that situation? So I think the, the, the biggest answer is to take the situation out of the hands of responders. Mm -hmm. We're making great strides uh, across the country and definitely here in Indiana in creating mm -hmm. mobile crisis teams that yeah. are driven through mental health professionals and not law enforcement and responders. Mm -hmm. In some cases, there may be you know, a, a police officer or mm -hmm. fire EMS that, that's involved, but bringing services to individuals where they need it, how they need it, mm -hmm. driven by mental health professionals that are trained and understand the nuances in interacting mm -hmm. with folks that are, need an intervention, really that's, that's a solution. We need to do a better job training our responders, absolutely. But the best solution is removing them from the equation and making sure that they, you know, they, they can handle homicides, they can handle robberies, they can handle assaults, they can handle all of that stuff. But when it comes to mental health crises, mm -hmm. let's let mental health professionals and peers, mm -hmm. individuals that have lived experience having a mental health um, crisis of some sort or, or a mm -hmm. substance use uh, disorder, let them be part of the solution uh, rather than just push it off onto a first responder. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with everything David just said. I think my mindset, even going back to what um, Alice was saying earlier, is do they find value in coming to our communities with mm -hmm. the resources, and, and do they care? Like, as a police yeah. officer, Great point. Like, Very you, point. do you care that I'm having a mental health uh, crisis? Like, is it important enough to them to want to make the change? Mm -hmm. Like I said, they're not doing the research. We don't know the numbers. And then from our side of it, because I do still speak from underprivileged communities, um, do we even trust it? Like, would I even trust you coming in here trying to mm -hmm. get me to um, accept your resources? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you look at the history, it ain't been too many times where you've come and tried to give me something and it benefited me in any type of way. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure how we bridge that gap, but I know if you if you go to these communities, um, black and brown communities right now, and ask them do they trust law enforcement or would they trust the resources, mm -hmm. I guarantee they would not. Yeah, but you know what? This 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 last case was especially egregious because it lasted over the course of three days. 
Right. Yep. And was allowed to escalate, escalate. So I think a lot of things fell uh, through the, uh, you know, th- just just fell through the cracks, so to speak. Uh, we had listeners that called in and said, well, what about a 24-hour a hold? Or what about a 72-hour hold? Uh, someone even said, well, what if he had a machete, what about netting? Couldn't they have thrown some netting uh, over him or whatever? Did it have to be deadly force uh, used with somebody? But if somebody's having a three-day mental crisis, I, I I just still can't get my head around that, how that was allowed to escalate to that point. Plus, there was a mental health professional, supposedly, um, on the day of the shooting, the, the fatal shooting, that was there trying to help negotiate. But wouldn't the presence of SWAT and uh, all of the police officers, the lights and everything else, wouldn't that be an aggravator? And wouldn't a, oh, a sure. mental health well, wouldn't a mental health professional be able to say that to, if they're there to negotiate and to help? Wouldn't a mental health professional be able to say, hey, stop, you know, this is not helping, you know, or what have you. That was another thing that our, our very brilliant listeners uh, brought to the to the attention of our our other listeners as well. I mean, how could you know if, if mental health is on the is on the scene and they're supposed to help? How can they? I I, I just don't understand. It just wasn't squaring. So hindsight, so hindsight is always twenty twenty, but the thing is, is that we need to first of all understand that when someone's having a mental health crisis, you know. It's scary. Having so much of police, a SWAT, you know, doesn't make that person feel warm and fuzzy. Well, it can't. It can't. Number two, and, and, you know, just because the brain is broken down or bruised doesn't mean that they've broken the law. So why are we sending all these forces out to help an individual who's having a crisis? If somebody was having a crisis due to their cancer treatment, would we send out the SWAT team? No, we wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tab- yeah, Tavi, go ahead. Your, your mental health comment. Yeah, she was touching on some of the reason why I was saying it's a lot of reason people could have mental health problems. Mm-hmm. If they say your baby at four years old got cancer and ain't going to live six months, you're going to go through a mental health crisis. It just depends on how far your, man, your mind click and how mm-hmm. much you can handle. I know a lot of people dealing with sickness of their kids and uh, parents dying, loved ones, and mentally affects them. And if they try to hold together, they still break down and don't get help. But the main thing in our community is that when we do therapy, the, take, the state takes it back mm-hmm. and give us so much of it, but it don't solve our problem. Yeah. So we're still dealing with it mentally. Uh, Marcus said it best. Marcus said it best. Thank you, Tim. You said it best, Marcus. Trust. Why Why should we trust or why would we trust? And I was just thinking that, and that was, I mean, was going to kind of kick that back to Marcus. How do we rebuild trust? I mean, do we take it out of the hands of law enforcement? Do we, uh, what's, what's the solution? Rebuilding trust, because I agree with you 100%. You can offer all the services in the world and have the best intentions, mm-hmm. but if trust is broken, trust is broken. Yeah, I think, uh, oh man, I wish I knew the answer to that question. I think uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. the people I'm the most proudest of right now in our community, um, and I'm biased because they are my friends, but Aaron Green, Struggle Made Me, um, Quentin Collins, the far um, failures aren't real, and uh, Brandon Beasley with Triple Bless—they actually from these communities, different mm-hmm. neighborhoods. We went to IPS schools. Um, mm-hmm. They got the respect of their peers for whatever reason, sports or just the type of individual they are. They can get results mm-hmm. um, as far as they network can spread, you know. So I think it needs to be people that look like them and me um, that can 
go mm-hmm. and then come back and represent on on behalf of whatever resources that need to come back to the community first and then once yeah. relationships yeah. are built from people that are really um, connected on both ends of the spectrum then mm-hmm. maybe we can start trying to funnel kids through your program or mm-hmm. a program that's over here you know but um we trying to do our best to set the tone first yeah. and let people know, like, oh, you know me. You know what neighborhood I grew up in, you know, what school I went to, um, mm-hmm. the level of respect I might have just from being your peer. Mm-hmm. Then you might take my advice or my counsel um, or this network that I might push you towards a little bit easier than mm-hmm. somebody just coming into our communities. You don't know where you're entering or, or the politics involved with being in our communities. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little bit fuzzier. Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, Marcus first introduced, he and his friends first introduced themselves to me. So I didn't have to know you. But I, they, no, he has a way about him that makes you listen and, and, and pay attention. I didn't know. I didn't know him from Adam. I, I didn't know what he did or anything. He just came up and he said, hey, you know what? And I'm summarizing here. You need to talk to me. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I like that. You know, I like that initiative. But he's, what he's saying is, is absolutely correct uh it helps if you know but you know when you have a sincere heart and and a, and a clear vision and a clear focus people are going to listen to you and they're going to trust you and they're going to pay attention got a witness right here i paid attention to him he said he, he said it i believed it and that's it so and uh, here we are and here we are <laughs> yes exactly so. anyway mr russell go ahead how are you hey Gina. Uh-huh. great program uh I was pleasantly surprised this morning uh, after listening to the uh, Ricky Smiley Morning Show uh, to have the program uh, on um, the uh, suicide prevention. Yes, yes, on, on WTLC. Karen, Karen did that. Yeah, and it was it was. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, very interesting and I think very helpful. And mm-hmm. I'm glad to see it continue uh, yes. in celebration of the uh, National Suicide Prevention Week now mm-hmm. on your program. Mm-hmm. Mom, and Mom. I, th- I think the the uh, the uh, comments that were made by those that are really in the fire, so to speak, mm-hmm. I think are very helpful. And I think that one of the things that, that uh, I thought was very good in terms of comments was the fact that... Uh, when you look at life in general, the things that affect people have, a, I guess, a trigger effect, so to speak. You know, yeah. and, and like the young lady just mentioned a few minutes ago, when when terrible things happen, you know, that causes uh, uh, things to, that causes a reaction, so mm. to speak. And uh, we, I think a lot of times we kind of gloss over that. Yeah. 
and call it uh, um, uh, mental, but at the same time, the, the, the circumstances almost require that kind of a reaction mm. because it's a terrible situation. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we kind of gloss over that, you know. Yeah, and, and you know what, Mr. Russell, you're absolutely correct. Uh, there has long been a dismissive nature uh, about, especially when it comes to family members that are struggling with mental health. I used to see it in my family. I'll tell them to go on upstairs or tell them to go. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm just, it's, it's funny now, but, well, that's just so-and-so. You know, they create, they go home and go to bed. You know, whatever, just dismissive nature. Just get it out of the point, you know, get it out of the, the, the point of view, I guess, or the viewpoint right here where we are, and, and then we'll move on. Uh, but never, ever just stopping, taking some time and, and dealing with whatever. And then if it gets to the point where we're afraid, that there's going to be a loss of life, either that person or that, that who that person. Then we don't think again about the mental wellness of the situation. We we call the police. So how do we retrain ourselves? Tina, may yes. I, by all means. I, <laughs> by all means. By being full-blooded Latina myself, church has a very integral, big part in our community. Mm -hmm. And I would say that that would be applicable as well in the African-American community. You know, we need to give people permission to ask for help and to say also when we're not okay. It is important to understand yeah. that when our brain is hurting, you know, our ministers, their training is theologically based not mm -hmm. mental health base. Mm -hmm. And I really acknowledge and appreciate ministers that say, you know, I'm glad you came to me as a parishioner, but the help that you're needing is way beyond my training. And and that our, group is growing. That group right, is growing in, in good and ways, give, positive ways. Our yeah. ministers need to give respect and credence to the to the clinical population that is wanting to help individuals who are suffering in silence. And furthermore, we need to have people, more people like you and me that look like me and you entering our field, because cultural competency is an integral part of mental wellness. You know, mm. and I don't say that to be disrespectful to any mm -hmm. of my white counterparts and my white colleagues, but it's important that when we go to counselor, we getting help for our mental health. Perspective is good, yeah, from it's, different it's, perspectives. It's important. We really do need mm -hmm. to understand that cultural competency is an integral part of getting people help who are otherwise suffering in silence and giving them that permission. We need to give people the permission to say it's okay not to be okay mm -hmm. and it's okay to be vulnerable and stand in your truth. Mm, yeah. Um, how often did we hear... Over the years, I don't know if any of you ever heard it growing up, uh, speaking of theology, suicide, the unpardonable sin. Oh, too many times to count. It's mm -hmm. a part of every religion, every major religion, mm -hmm. Christianity, Judaism, uh, Islam. I mean, it's a part of every major religion that mm -hmm. suicide is the unforgivable sin. Mm -hmm. Un unforgivable, unpardonable. And, 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 and Tina, when I attempted suicide when I was 16... The first, my parents never even called 911. The first person they called was our priest. Mm. When he arrived, when he arrived, the first thing he said to my parents, because of course my parents were like, why, why, why? Mm -hmm. You know, my priest <clears throat> told my parents that I had sinned and God was punishing me. 
And I'm 56 years old, and I'll tell you, I have not ever talked to my parents about my suicide attempt until two years ago. Mm. And to this day, my parents still feel it's because I had sinned and I, God was punishing me. Mm. So you, you have to also think of the generational impact or the implications of the stereotypes and taboo that we have towards mental health. We need, as a community, give people that permission or that safe space. Mm-hmm. Or let's let's create space. Yeah, it's and, a place. And you know, Alice, it, it's interesting because Marcus and David and I were talking before uh, before you joined us about how I was asking them how they felt about what appears to be uh, messaging uh, that is exactly what you're saying that we need, the the widespread messaging, be it coming from the entertainment, you know, professional sports. Um, I was saying the Ad Council has got involved, you know, just just public service announcements that it's okay not to be okay, Um, uh, suicide prevention, things of that nature. What What are your thoughts on the fact that the messaging around everything that we've been talking about um, seems to be, uh, I, I don't know, intensifying, spreading, widening. Uh, you know, there, there seems to be more messaging about it. Yes, it, it, and I think that our messaging efforts, mm-hmm. you know, like as you mentioned, the Ad Council has, they've partnered with... They've got a series of them, yeah. And they have a, a seize the awkward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we need to seize the awkwardness of helping someone that we see is obviously having a crisis. What I like about those those PSA, those public mm-hmm. service announcements, is that they their actors are a reflection of everyday people, black, white, yellow, green. It doesn't matter. But when people see mm-hmm. that on the screen and they see, you know, uh, you know, um, stars and famous people talking about mental mm-hmm, health. Mm-hmm. We, as normal individuals, are are interpreting that as give, being given permission to talk about your mental health that has been shunned so mm-hmm. much before. Um, and I think that when we invest in creative spaces of these safe spaces for, you know, brown and black youth, that you know, why we need to get those young people at the table. So that they can develop an education campaign that will have brown and black young kids listening to it. You know, he is uh, a dog. Yeah. One thing. One thing that I've learned during COVID is that we no longer can dismiss young people. Mm-hmm. Marcus, are you finding that the generational uh, divide that Alice is talking about um, uh, evident? Uh, you're younger. <laughs> you're younger than us. Um, and that your generation and younger uh, are more receptive, if you will? Uh, are you finding that? Or what do you think? I think, um, coming from a, being a parent, I think mm-hmm. the way that we are trying to pass information down to our children um, in a healthy manner has increased. So I think okay. if we can get that to spread through the community and not um, some of the other ideologies that we have that, mm-hmm. that spread quicker, if we can get those things that we're teaching in our households um, from that positive standpoint to spread to their peers a little bit faster, which, of course, like we know, broken homes mm-hmm. and mass incarceration, all those other things, whatever. Um, if we can get that to translate a little bit quicker, and I think uh, the next generation, like they're in crisis now and we're trying to jump on that and, and get a hold of it. Um, I think if we can start understanding that um, 
the next person child matter too and it's not just um the son that i'm raising or the daughter that i'm right. raising oh, yeah. if we can get people to start coming together and start building um even if it's a program or a movement or whatever you want to call it to spread through our communities a little bit quicker than just worrying about what's under our roof um that would help us a lot because i think we are just better at expressing how we feel then I feel mm. like we think our parents were. Um, yeah, and so a lot you, of my peers would say the same thing. So you think as as a rule that they're generally more receptive and more open, that they don't have the things that maybe a David's generation or Alice or mine might have? Yeah, I, and I think it's just because we're kind of in that stage of so there's um, hope there. unlearn, relearn. Yeah. So yeah. the better we're getting, I'm 33, so um, the better Baby. we're getting... <laughs> The better yep. we're getting, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the better we're trying to be for our children. Yeah. And it's hard to put a time stamp on that. I mean, we're doing our best, you know. So I think um, I'm seeing a lot of our kids are growing up more mature, it seems like, from an emotional standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it's pros and cons to that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? They, they're they seeing both sides of yeah. it. And that's part of why the numbers are what spiking they are. like they are. They're exposed to so many things. Oh, yeah. And they can make more um, intense emotional decisions because they've been trained a little bit better to identify mm -hmm. how they feel at a 12-year-old standpoint, mm -hmm. not at me at 33, you mm -hmm. know. So it's hard to find that balance. If we can expedite teaching them how to find that balance, I think we can help them a lot easier. But, but, but you're so right, though, Marcus, because there's so much that these kids have to deal with. I mean, how even at your young age, how many active shooter drills did you have to start learning at, as soon as you walked into kindergarten? I mean, come on. That, 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 it's just that the, the, the pressures of the world are on them from, from day one. And as a parent, uh, that is thirty a thirty something parent. Do you find yourself you you're aware of all of this? You know. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself parenting more intentionally because you're so aware of so many things, or reactionally like like a lot of us as parents do? We just you know we just react and and parent in in that way. Or is or do you switch back and forth? I mean, kind of like a yes. a hybrid or whatever <laughs> yeah. hybrid. Definitely talk. trying to be a hybrid, but I feel yeah. like I'm more intentional okay. than okay. reactive. Um, and I feel like I slide it. Um, my oldest son in a way because I wasn't as emotionally intelligent as I am now so I'm trying to like mm -hmm. fast track him almost where my okay. youngest son if you know my youngest son you would know that like he attached to my hip okay. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. Um, he's a little bit more open with seeing how he feel and expressing his emotions because I just give him room to do that you know yeah. so yeah. Uh, he see it for me um, and our village so he's a little bit more advanced with saying, oh, you told me this or you told me that rather than sitting and accepting maybe at his age where he would feel mm -hmm. like it's disappointment. You know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. Um, yeah. I do feel not discouraged sometimes about how fast I can get it to my oldest son because I am trying to do my best. But I just feel like my youngest son has it a little bit quicker because I but you know so what? We, we, all we have is this point forward and where we can go from here. So like you said, you, your, your awareness of where you were emotionally, that's key, too, because mm -hmm. at least you can be you know aware. It's just that I, I, we're concerned about so many that aren't aware. Hmm. Um, that that aren't. I mean, we can't. Oh, yeah, we all wish we could do different things. You know, do certain things better. Who doesn't? Especially a parent. Mm -hmm. You know, but yeah. So I think it's important. You know, you you ask. You know, how can we get kids to understand and mm -hmm. feel included and all mm -hmm. that? We as parents need to lead by example. 
So if we're having a mental health issue or we're having a crisis, mm-hmm. our kids are looking at us on how we deal with it. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't walk away from it. Don't be shameful of it. Mm-hmm. You know, our, you know, unbeknownst to us, you know, our kids are looking for our lead on mm-hmm. how we deal with life struggles, how we deal with some financial losses, how we deal with losses yeah. of, of, of loved ones and whatnot. How much of that should they know? And, well, and it, when it, yeah. And the thing is, is that, you know, if, if you know, if we finances. have a mom who's struggling or a dad or whatnot, mm-hmm. and, you know, instead of adopting mm-hmm. unhealthy coping skills, you know, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever it may mm-hmm. be, why not, why not just talk about, you know, mental health mm-hmm. around the kitchen table? Yeah, indeed. Why not, you know, talk about mental health around the water cooler? Yeah, When makes we sense. start talking and staying in our truth, Never underestimate when we do speak our truth, the impact it has on others and the permission it grants others. Indeed. Hey, we got to take a quick break uh, and we'll be right back with uh, a lot more right after this. Stay with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> and we're back with Community Connection. You know what? Um, real quick. Circle City Classic is coming up uh, September 23rd, and we got a couple of tickets if you want them. All you have to do is text the word CLASSIC to 37890. Again, text the word CLASSIC to 37890. Uh, If you win, you'll receive a pair of tickets to the Circle City Classic football game featuring Mississippi Valley State University and North Carolina Central University. It's coming up again Saturday, September 23rd at Lucas Oil Stadium. Tickets for CLASSIC are now on sale at Lucas Oil Box Office and Ticketmaster.com. Again, if you'd like your chance to win two tickets, two free tickets, they're free. Yeah, we're going to give them away free. Uh, text the word CLASSIC to the number 37890 for your chance to win two tickets to this year's Circle City Classic. Um, we are, you know, coming down the home stretch, and I always hate to end these conversations. But we still got some time, but uh, down to our final 30 minutes. Uh, and it has been one of, they're all productive, one of the most productive um, Stop the Music conversations that, that we've had. And I, I think part of that is because we're able to be um, somewhat of a hybrid that we've been talking about because we got some folks in studio, which we haven't had a chance to have all the time, and and some folks, uh, you know, that are, that are joining us virtually via the phone. So... Um, I do thank you. Our panel, uh, David Berman, uh, Mindwell Solutions, Marcus Watts, Alone is a Lie, Alice Jordan-Miles, suicide prevention expert and professor at Purdue University uh, in Fort Wayne, and joining our panel.
panel now is Barbara Thompson. She is the executive director of NAMI. NAMI, of course, being the National Alliance on Mental Health. So, Barbara, join us and, uh, hey, get in where you can fit in. Uh, <laughs> you can. Uh, so, uh, but we've got a uh, we got a couple of uh, couple of calls, and then we're we're going to get back to uh, to our discussion. But you know, uh, Barbara, of course, offers another uh, another aspect to this conversation because it's advocacy and and so many other things that we desperately want to share uh, with people because folks need to know what to do. You know, you can know the problem and understand it. Now, what do you do? How do you how do you do it? So, um, and of course, we always offer that uh, during our conversations as well. So. Um, uh, a couple of phone calls, and then we'll get back to our panel. Uh, Ms. Rose, go ahead. How are you? Okay, how are you, Tina? I'm making short. Uh-huh. First, I wanted to ask, is there a group that realizes that the parents sometimes can cut off a lot of these mental breakdowns because of family confusion between the children mm-hmm. and many different families have so many different parents? And a lot of times it goes to the point they don't listen to one child to the point after a while they just get mad and go crazy. Now, I know it sounds crazy. I'm 92 years old. But the biggest thing is parents have got to realize the first thing they got to do is separate children who don't get along very well that are their children. And there's, they've got to make a demand on those children, obeying and not thinking that they can run over the parents and the other children. And there's a lot more to that also. But they need a group that you have like you have now discussing these things, but going back and checking and realizing and paying attention to a lot of these explosions are not mental breakdown. It's just mm-hmm. they've been driven to the point they can't help themselves. Yeah, and they yeah. Do something wrong. Yeah, and thank you, Miss Rose. And that that's certainly another show and we're you know, we, we certainly would not uh, minimize uh, behavioral uh, issues uh, in families because that's that's a whole nother show. Uh, this panel is dealing with mental illness and, and suicide prevention. So, you know, we certainly and Miss Rose, she's lived ninety two years, so she's seen a lot. Uh, she knows and a few things. She knows <laughs> a few. She knows some things. Okay, Miss Rose does, and so we thank her her for her input. But you know, behavioral uh, issues, yeah. Um, and and you know, maybe at some point there there is an intersectionality. There there has to be. There would have to be yeah but right now um suicide prevention and mental uh mental wellness so to speak reverend phillips go ahead how are you how you doing uh Tina? i'm doing well sir how are you yes uh my comment is uh today uh when we uh have uh mental illness and 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 think about try to commit suicide, it's better to talk to somebody. Um, and I think the key is people scared to go and and reach out to a preacher or a counselor, talk to somebody because it's a... <clears throat> They know they need help. Uh, Reverend Phillips, uh, that, that's the essence of, uh, of what we've been doing all day since 10 o'clock this morning. And I think, no, he, he repeated that. It, it's it, there's stigma, um, you know, fear, uh, shame, all of those things are wrapped into one that 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 
that complicate uh, the ability for uh, people to get the help that they need uh, for these suicides to be prevented. So, you know, he, he, he made a good point. He, he made a very good point. Uh, One of the things that I think, uh, you know, that was nice that he brought up as well mm-hmm. is, you know, faith communities. Mm-hmm. Um, because more and more, and we, we have different faith communities coming to us looking for ways that they can be more helpful when they have- Isn't that that's a good sign? I love to hear that, Barbara. Because we it, more and more are coming to NAMI, more and more faith-based communities. That's good. Yeah, and, and actually, for the Black community, that's the first place that we go uh, a lot of times. Wonderful to go to talk to you know our faith leaders, and so you know it's, it has been really good. We have a program, um, or rather, uh, a resource called NAMI FaithNet, where we can. Uh, you know, sit down with different congregations and talk to them about ways that they can be um, mm-hmm. more accepting and more helpful for families who are dealing with mental health conditions. Yeah. So what are some of the resources for, um, and I, I think the resources are as long as the shows that we've been doing today as well, uh, but, but some of the more effective, immediate resources that um, are available to the everyday person that you don't really have to think too hard about where you could at least get started uh, Barbara, what are some of those? Well, I think, you know, when one of the guests was talking just before I came on about how effective it is actually just talking about it with other people, I've seen so many times when um, you have you start just having the conversation and people say, oh, you know what, this is happening in my family. And it's something that they've never talked about. And, and that is an opportunity for people to, first of all, not feel so alone. Mm-hmm. And that starts to help to break down stigma. Now, if you're deal, if you are, you know, dealing with, you're starting to see signs and symptoms, you know, the first place you can go is straight to your primary care doctor and let them know what's mm-hmm. going on, and, and you know, get referrals from there. If you're dealing with a mental health condition, um, the caller before was was talking about reaching out. If you're in a crisis, they now have 988, uh, and there are also um, resources you can call have called warm lines. And there are some warm lines that are open 24-7, and you can just call other people who themselves are living with a mental health condition and, and you know, kind of just talk you through what you're going through right then. Yeah, there was someone that called yesterday that said that they were on, they called a crisis helpline and said that they were on hold for like two hours and 15 minutes, wow. uh, and they just wanted to talk to somebody. Uh, and what what you know david and mark is here in studio they're both shaking their heads i mean how can that happen oh okay <laughs> barbara are, 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 they are, uh, and... yeah that, yeah and they didn't know who they but are we facing a uh you know maybe resources are not properly funded uh, well enough to be able to uh, have counselors on the line immediately, 24-7, 365? I mean, I, I, the most recent answer rates that I've seen for our call centers here in Indiana, the 988-related, um, mm-hmm. much less the warm lines that Barbara's talking about, are, are pretty darn good. So okay. I'm not sure who they called. Or Maybe they got the wrong a, number. A I hate to think that. 978, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I hate to think that they got the wrong number. But, but I mean, yeah. there's never enough resources, whether whether it's money, whether it's people, volunteers, um, folks going into the the mental health field, but I feel like um, at least as far as the initial entry point, whether it's talk, uh, call, text, mm-hmm. chat, they're pretty good. I mean, we've seen really, really good answer rates here coming out of Indiana recently. So, are, are more and more people embracing? Um 
getting help for their their conditions, their mental uh, health, and more and more people embracing the concept of mental wellness from from your perspective, Barbara, your your agency's perspective. <laughs> well, we and we can see from you know statistics that uh, more and more communities. Are are becoming you know reaching out for help more often. It's still not as high as it should be. Yeah. Um, in the black community, it's lower than other uh, communities. Um, but there there is more. I mean, obviously, what you're doing right now, you know, that's that's huge. This is such a, a wonderful way to get the word out. But there's, you know, there are uh, more and more um, resources that are geared toward black either men, black families, uh, black women, and, and you know, th- just the black community in general, um, there are more and more resources that are available um, for that. And, and it's, you know, things like um, celebrities speaking out and talking about their own uh, personal experiences, their family's experiences. And I'll say anecdotally from my um, end, you know, I see on my Facebook timeline friends from high school who you know, at the time, I didn't know that they were dealing with a mental health condition, and and now they're on Facebook talking openly about it. So that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Alice, yes, ma'am. Yeah, um, resources, uh, and and how we can uh, train, start training ourselves to not react uh, when we see uh, a loved one in crisis, or maybe to not call 911. And, you know, we were talking about law enforcement, how we can start moving ourselves in another direction uh, in terms of realizing who we are, where we are, and what our issues are. Again, I, I, I'm a big proponent about helping people in languages and in culture that is a reflection of them. What I mean by that is okay. for brown and black communities, like there, there's the Black Mental Health Coalition. All you got to do is Google it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, uh, the Confess Project, you know, with mm-hmm. Lorenzo Lewis. Yeah, yeah, Lorenzo. He has been in her head. You know, he's, you know, he's making a name for himself all over the country of going around and, mm-hmm. and, and training barbers and beauticians on mental health. You know, meeting people where they're at. You know, we need to train the right people that are meeting the needs of individuals who are suffering. You know, we go to a a nail tech. We go get our nails done. We go get our hair cut, whatever. You know, that barber chair is the sanctity, if you will, in the African-American community. So we need to make sure that we get those barbers accurately and adequately trained so that, they know where to send people who are crying for help. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when it comes to something that mm-hmm. is so sensitive and so personal. Mm-hmm. When somebody shares with you something about their mental health, I mean, we need to embrace it. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people think that, you know, I can't help somebody who's having a crisis because I don't know what to say. So or do. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell all your listeners. You do a lot more listening than you do talking when someone's having a crisis. Mm. Because you have made, first and foremost, make sure you, you, you commend them for sharing something that society mm-hmm. has told them to keep a secret. You know, let them know, you know, you have shared something with me that is really profound. And, I, and, and frankly, I don't know what to say. But I do want to say this. Thank you for sharing this with me. Yeah. 
And, well, and, and, you know, and another thing is never let somebody, never tell somebody they're going to get through it. Because, you know, let me tell you, when someone is depressed, and I say this for my personal Or suck it up, yeah. You know, you know, we they tell us, you know, when you're depressed, that's a very lonely place to be. So never say to someone, you'll get through this, or, you know, put on your big girl panties and blah, blah. No, what you want to say to them is, we'll get through this together. When you're helping someone, you never walk before them. You either walk beside them or behind them. Yeah. You're there to encourage them, to support them, and to let them know that you're there every step of the way. Yeah. You know, you may not have all the credentials and all the wherewithal to help someone who's having a mental health crisis. But be, be, be present. Absolutely. And be present. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last call, uh, and then we got to start wrapping up, and I want to talk about 988 real quick. Uh, Brian, you're the last caller. Uh, you got in at the, uh, at the right there at the wire. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. I am a veteran with a major depressive disorder, mm-hmm. and I've been going to the veterans' hospital for a long time, and it seems as though they have all these programs and therapy, but it seems as though nobody's really working on a cure for what we have, and it's mm-hmm. really debilitating. I'm sitting in the car listening to you, thinking about the many times I wanted to call in and just tell the medical profession if they would stop worrying about getting that A in class and focus on trying to help the patients when they graduate, mm-hmm. that would be <laughs> tremendous. What, what, what do you think, what, what would you consider a cure to be? Pardon? What would you consider a cure to be? I have no idea. I've called around to the Mayo mm-hmm. Clinic, I've called around to Yale University. I've called Eli Lilly. Yeah. And it seems as though nobody is really doing anything. So are you on medication? Yeah, but, you know, I just had kidney cancer. So, I mean, I don't drink alcohol. I smoke. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, okay. I was in the Camp Lejeune thing. But it's like it's debilitating. If an individual say they want to commit suicide, the first thing they do to throw you in the hospital and lock you up. That's not that's mm-hmm. not doing anything. Yeah. Considering Okay, um I'm sorry. Uh but anyway, we lost his call. Uh but the gist of the call it sounds he's he's in pain and he wants it to go away. That's not unusual. But you know what, Tina, also with all due respect to your caller, you know, there's been a lot of money spent on cancer research. But we haven't still found the cancer to, the the the, mm-hmm. the answer to cancer. We've made a lot of progress in the field of mental health. And frankly, there's, the brain is the most researched part yeah. of the body, but, we've, but the less validity given to it. Yeah. There's a lot of research that has been done on the brain, but people don't want to think it's real. Yeah, but in in his in his case, he's he's in pain. Uh, you know, the, Barbara, that that pain uh, is. I mean, did did you hear pain or did I? Yeah, he wants a pain and frustration. Pain and frustration. Yeah, maybe that's that's it. So, hello. I think we lost Barbara. Yeah, we, we lost Barbara. But um, but anyway, I apologize. Oh no, that's okay. Uh, I, I did want to say about um, the research piece of it too is that, um, as we know, in, in every in every parts of research, not just the mental health side, um, we don't have enough people participating from the Black community, which is another piece. <gasps> ah, 
Ah, we have heard that a lot about tri- research and trials and things. And that gets back to Marcus's point about trust. Yes. Yeah, there, it gets back to, wow. It's also a disadvantage, um, of course. With, so, you know, recently they've put out a report on the increase in black youth suicide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, we've, we've gone over that one, yeah. Yeah, and there just hasn't even been enough research for them to identify what what is the difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so they put more money into that, but, yeah, we yeah, that's... have to figure out a way to trust. Um, and, you know, we have good reason to not. Very, yeah, that, and that's a, a, a very good point. Uh, before we have to go, which is, we got like a couple of minutes, and I wish we could keep going, but 988, uh, very quickly, uh, each of you, uh, just give me a summary of, 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 since it's now, it's up and going, what are your thoughts on it, and uh, do you think it's been a useful tool? And I'll, I'll start with you, Barbara. Well, you know, when we talk about 988, the thing you have to realize is it's not just the phone call. 988 is actually three parts. It's somewhere to call, someone to respond, and a place to go. Right now we Mm. have 988, but now we need someone to respond that is not police. And that's the mobile crisis units where you have it, uh, someone who has a mental health condition or a substance use disorder themselves, a social worker, or some other kind of clinician. And then if that can't be de-escalated with the mobile crisis unit, then do we have a respite center that we can go to that's not the emergency room? So it's it's still growing. So where we are right now is not where it's going to be. Okay. Uh, Alice, thoughts on 988? Um, it's a step in the right direction. Um, you know, we need to, first of all, we need to make sure it's properly advertised and the information is given to the people that need to receive it. And we need to, we need to have a campaign that, allow that convinces people to allow this to trust this process yeah um yeah i i i don't want to say i don't have good things to say but i think it's in one year down we have we have some things that we need to improve on mm-hmm. such as that waiting time yeah i don't like hearing that that just brought i i don't know that she dialed 988 she just told me it was well, a line yeah so but okay. yeah but nevertheless i mean shouldn't be any wait error period and, yeah. and the thing is how many people did she tell that to, too? Well, I, well, a whole lot if they were listening to this show. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, she told it to a whole lot of folks. Uh, Marcus, 988. Um, like Alice said, I think it's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also we need more. I mean, like mm-hmm. David was saying, there's never going to be enough resources. Um, they filled it. 20 million calls since 2005 so um, we just need more I'm sure they're doing the best they can and like mm-hmm. she was saying um, it's not where it's going the, the final destination is still building out um, but mm-hmm. if there's a way to add somebody else alongside that as we're trying to get there you know I think that'll be just amazing yeah and David boy you go last and all the good comments have been taken <laughs> see if I can come up with something different. Um, No, I agree with everybody. It's a step in the right direction. I am excited for the next steps, as Barbara was saying, mobile crisis and crisis stabilization units. Um, You know, the the simplicity of a three-digit number has 
opened the floodgates and the mm. calls have gone through the roof so far. I think, you know, fairly commendable as far as answer rates and um, the effectiveness, but we need more. We need yeah. more money. We need more resources. We need more manpower. Um, and we need to, um, you know, destigmatize the whole concept where people are, yeah. uh, you know, are encouraged to call 988 that actually take the step and, and do it. It's not just for suicide prevention. It is crisis in general. If you are in crisis, any kind of mental health crisis, 988 is there for you. Your website? My website is uh, www.mindwell.com. Dash solutions.com. Okay, and uh, Marcus? Um, I'm social media based. So, okay. alone underscore is a lie or mental wealth Marcus. Um, those are my two handles. So, reach out to me. I'm trying, I tried to get David to do an event with me. I had the wrong email. So, <laughs> oh, wow. um, I'm trying to get into the community and get these events done. So, um, I'll be posting all the info for whatever I got going on on those two pages. And we'll try to change these numbers and uh, affect the best way we can. We know you will. Well, anything, anyway, we can help. Let us know because yes, we'll have ma'am. you back on, indeed. Uh, and uh, Barbara, your website. So we are at NamiIndiana.org, and on there you can find um, support groups all around the city and state, as well as education classes. Indeed, thank you. And Alice, your website or how people can get in touch with you. I mean, I'm I'm old. You, know. <laughs> you got a phone number? <laughs> Snail mail. <laughs> I do Facebook, and that's just for old people. Okay. Not really. Not really. I guess some young ones do. So you're on so, Facebook. But my, my website is actually, I would prefer people to email me at jordana at pfw.edu, jordana at pfw.edu. And I just want to uh, just give a shout-out to, to WTLC for, again, starting and be, being behind a conversation that many people run from. So I commend you. I I give you all kinds of kudos. And Tina, to you, too, for leading this ship, because this conversation can't just be a one-stop conversation. It needs to be continuing on throughout the years and, until no one is suffering in silence. Absolutely. And, Vice, and right back at each and every one of you, I want to thank you all again uh, for joining this important, timely discussion on suicide prevention and mental wellness. Um, a number of resources are available and are going to be posted um, on our website, praiseindy.com. Help is always available for everyone and anyone out there. Uh, there are people who care. That's the main thing you need to understand is that there are people who care. 988 is the number uh, for the crisis headline. That's a that's a start. It's a it's a beginning. It's a middle. It, it's 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 a lot of things, and we're so glad that it's up. Uh, if someone you care about is struggling and you want to help, you can always call two one one here in Indiana for a, a full page of resources, um, a full page of help. And again, all of that stuff is on our website praiseindy.com. You heard our panel give their websites and contact information. They are always available. Finally, uh, thank our sponsors, Sandra Eskenazi Mental Health Center. Um, you can always find them at Eskenazi Health. Uh, Edu. That is all the time we have for Community Connection right now. We are always on Praise, AM 1310 and 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration. Our website, again, praiseindy.com. Willie Moore Jr. on the radio is up next. David, Marcus, Barbara, and Alice, thank you all. Big hugs to all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep it up, uh, and we'll be back in touch again very, very shortly. Um, thank you, everyone, as always, for listening, for participating. We're going to talk again on Monday. Uh, as always, 
always. Until then, please be safe and be well. I'm Tina Cosby. That's who I am. And this is Community Connection.